hello everyone. I'm really excited today to have Jehan back on the podcast. This time to talk about a recent case that went up to SCOTUS regarding the First Amendment and this weird statute that is about whether or not a person is encouraging, quote unquote, an undocumented immigrant to enter or remain in the U.S. Jehan, before we get into the case, how are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, you know, just being an immigration attorney out here in Trump's America. So, <laughs> yeah. so no, it's so exhausting. I've been thinking a lot about what I'll do if he wins again. And I think I might move out of the country if that happens. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to lose a good fighter like you. But I feel <laughs> that. That's real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously it would just be temporarily, but I just would need a break because yeah, <laughs> it's a long, It's like one of the worst times to be an immigration attorney or somebody who cares about immigrants and thinks that the legal system is in some way a viable way to help them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, well, speaking of, I think we should just get right into the case itself. Mm-hmm because this is very much about Trump's America and kind of the insidious creative ways that this administration has tried to keep migrants out, tried to create a xenophobic climate that makes people want to, or not want to enter the U.S. supposedly, or that he just wants to scare people as much as possible. So exactly, yeah. the case is called this always happens where you don't know how to pronounce things. The United States versus Sinening Smith. And yeah. Jihan, do you want to go over what the question of the case was or what the issue was that the Supreme Court was ruling on? Do you want me to go back to the procedural history or just go with what the Supreme Court's looking at? Just what they're looking at, and then I can go into what happened before. Yeah, definitely. So... Basically, the issue is whether this statute, and I'm going to pull up the statute really quick, 8 U.S.C. 1324, I'm not going to read the subparts, but whether or not this statute, it has a prohibition against encouraging or inducing illegal immigration for commercial advantage or private gain. And so the Supreme Court is looking on just whether that language inducing or encouraging is unconstitutional on its face or facially unconstitutional, however you want to put it. Yeah. So I did want to pause there and then explain what makes what it means for a statute to be unconstitutional on its face. And so in con law, there's this idea that in constitutional interpretations plus constitutional law, people lawyers always shorten everything and it confuses everybody. Yeah. (laughs) There's this idea that a law can be declared straight up unconstitutional as soon as you can read it like on its face, it just is very clear that it's unconstitutional. I tried to think of a good example, and I honest, I thought of the Muslim ban, which is really sad because SCOTUS eventually ruled that it wasn't unconstitutional on its face. Right. Because I was like, oh, what's the law where you're literally just explicitly targeting people <laughs> because of <laughs> their religion or their race? And that's the Muslim ban. So <laughs> that's, a, that's an example of a court declaring a statute unconstitutional on its face. And then... Other times, a court can say that it's not unconstitutional on its face, but it could be 
as the state applies it. And so then that requires looking into the facts of the specific issue at hand to see if there's unconstitutional stuff that is happening. Right. Right. So just a little little pause. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I try and make the podcast as accessible as possible to people who haven't gone to law school. And it's hard because of all the jargon, but... Super hard. We'll we'll, we'll get there. (laughs) No, yeah, I'm trying to think... And like, like, like Yvette was saying, just whenever a statute is like singling out people, you have to pass like an extra step to be found constitutional. So yeah, so that's basically, basically any law that starts discriminating against people or like the type of speech that you're doing can be found unconstitutional in its face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, I feel like people can look at vintage Cedebronas if they really want to get into that. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> the so the facts at issue in this case I think are really interesting because I think it's a bad set of facts for people who care who care about be about the First Amendment being real and people not feeling chilled by the government because this the person who was convicted criminally was an immigration consultant who just defrauded people and I think one example was they made up a type of legal relief mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and like told what so this person did things that are morally deplorable and that's and like why we, that's like, yeah. but the no, issue I'm just here say, like we see people all the time with, with these people who've done stuff like this it's basically like if people yeah. have heard of the term notario fraud we see people all the time and she was basically doing that like stringing people along, charging them thousands of dollars, pretending that she was actually getting legal relief. It's really bad. <laughs> so also just pause. I will say there's it's a lot of Latinx people doing this, and I see you all. I mm-hmm. see you all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. No, yeah, I'm, I'm going to assume her heritage, but I think she was going after her own, or like her, her heritage as well, like the people that were in that group. So that happens a lot, unfortunately. Yeah. I can't understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If there's one thing, it's all drive me out of Arizona. It's the self-hating Hispanic people that live here, self-identified. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad. Uh, so, but yeah, yeah. Side, she was. This this is really bad that we're kind of on her side in the Supreme Court. But <laughs> yeah, she was not doing good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just complicated because. Judicial decision making requires people to interpret really vaguely worded statutes. Like, what does it really mean to induce or encourage somebody to enter the U.S. or to stay here? In this mm-hmm. applied on this specific set of facts, I mean, I really think this is the issue of the Supreme Court in general. But I think something that I learned in law school is that the law is incredibly malleable, mm-hmm. and you can judges just. I'm not going to go so far as to say they make it up, but they they imbue their viewpoints into into the decisions that they make, no doubt. And so that's what makes this decision really dangerous or this case really dangerous is that like, okay, maybe we want to turn a blind eye to the immigration consultant who did something <laughs> fucked up, but that has serious implications for actually you and me, for example. Yeah, this- no, totally. And 
Yeah, I think this is like the biggest issue because the fact is she did get convicted and I think her other convictions are going to stand. So she, this wasn't the only thing that she got convicted of, this encouraging or inducing. But I think what's, I think what's worrying everybody about it, because right now in the, you're going to get into the government's brief, but I think what's worrying everybody is that the government appealed this after they got convictions. So the government mm-hmm. got convictions on everything else. So it's like, well, why would you appeal this one statute if you got convictions? So it makes it seem like the government wants to use this statute. Like, because the, the Ninth Circuit struck down, said it's unconstitutionally vague. But there's so many other statutes that they can criminalize somebody doing these same practices. They don't need this statute. And so I think what makes you and other immigration advocates and everybody else, doctors, whoever, priests, is, well, why are you so gung-ho about this particular statute right now? And I think we know what the answer is. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is also the statute that Scott Warren was initially charged with, I believe. That's, it's probably, right. it's likely. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, that well, yeah, makes a lot of sense. 1324 is harboring, no? Uh, yeah. And so like, and there's a bunch of subsections. So I'm sure it's within yeah. this, but this like encouraging inducing. Oh, right, right, right. Social conduct that she did and probably government conduct it's like just worrisome that this is the particular one that they're they're they 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 appealed on it hmm that's like why everybody's kind of concerned Um, and I know you're gonna we're gonna get into talking about the government brief the government in their arguments to the supreme court kind of pretends like no we're not trying to do anything crazy like go after immigration actually don't even say that they don't even say that (laughs) they don't say that and I think at the district court level they said that they could apply this to an immigration attorney but they don't so they don't disavow that yeah, they don't disavow that, but in their briefing, they make it seem like, oh, of course we wouldn't, we wouldn't apply this just to speech. It has to be some type of conduct. So they are kind of promising to the court, no, we wouldn't do that. <laughs> the yeah. line between speech and conduct is a really blurry one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so the sad thing about this case is that the Ninth Circuit made the right decision <laughs> and it should have just stayed <laughs> at that point. So the district court convicted, mm-hmm. right? But then on appeal at the Ninth Circuit, they reversed and they said that the statute was unconstitutional on its face. And mm-hmm. the government appealed, like you said, to SCOTUS. And that is, like you said, the the reason why this is worrying a lot of advocates. And so the Ninth, we've kind of already outlined some examples of the types of conduct that could be deemed Uncon- or that could be deemed illegal under this and the ninth circuit also got into it so they pointed out that the statute was so overbroad that it could encompass speech ranging from a loving grandmother who urges her grandson to overstay his visa to a post directed at undocumented individuals on social media at radio cachimbona <laughs> <laughs> that encourages them to stay in the united states yeah And so this is something that the Electronic Frontier Foundation filed an amicus brief about because like they're an entity that really cares about free speech and the internet and how those two things intersect. And so they pointed out that the internet is full of people saying things that could be interpreted as encouraging migrants to remain in the United States or to enter. I mean, I keep pointing this out, but yeah, my podcast and my Instagram. (laughs) Yeah. And and like the example that I brought up before, I think this also implicates know your rights presentation. Know your rights. It, even uh, like, I mean, all of a lot of my clients, they're here present in the United States without documentation. So technically, I'm giving them actual correct legal advice, but I'm also 
like conceivably they could also say this to the immigration attorneys too. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the Electronic Frontier Foundation also pointed out that that mm-hmm. this is analogous. This is the effect that it'll have is analogous to FOSTA and the effect that that law had, which was a law that was supposedly supposed to curb sex trafficking, but ended up resulting in third-party platforms then creating problems for sex workers by not allowing them to utilize the platforms as they always had. Mm-hmm. And those same kind of First Amendment implications exist here too. And I think it's really important to point out that so much of Trump's approach is instilling fear in people yeah. and mm-hmm. through, through various ways, whether mm-hmm. it be springing policy on us or not going through notice and comment, which mm-hmm. is a lot more scandalous than it sounds. No, it is. Yeah. Or even like the announcement of raids or enforcement actions, yeah. just like announcing yeah. them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I, for me, this, the government appealing this provision is also part of that because I'm scared. Yeah, no, it is. You're like, mm-hmm. Especially where I live. Oh my God. The, the prosecutors here love an, love an excuse to prosecute somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and that's the thing I think that is worrying people because kind of basically with the government, a big part of their argument is like kind of trust us. We wouldn't prosecute anybody under this. Like no one's been prosecuted just for speech, which is false. Like I think in some of the amicus, they bring up people who have been prosecuted for speech under this statute. <laughs> so, so, and like, or I know in other cases in immigration too, where the, where the government has directly lied to the Supreme court for one of the famous examples is this decision called Inken, where they say we can support people while their motions to reopen are pending because we have what? a way to bring, yep. Cause we have a way to bring people back. If, if their, if their case is opened, if their case is reopened, we have a way to bring them back and like come to find out. So it ends up, the advocates end up losing that case. And so, <laughs> and then the government, when it comes time to bring people back, they're like, oh yeah, we don't have a process for that. Sorry, we made that part up. Or like more, which was a case about prolonged detention. They put in stats saying how detention only lasts like a month and a half. And like a lot of those, a lot of the stats that they put into their immigration cases have been debunked, but that ends up being what the court relies on. Their promise of like, oh yeah, we're not going to prosecute people just for speech is kind of, well, why are you bringing this statute up? Because you have other statutes that prosecute conduct. So why are you appealing this? <laughs> I think is what everybody's kind of like pointing out. What is the conduct that's criminalized in 1324? So I guess obviously the main one would be providing an undocumented migrant shelter. Yeah, yeah. With the, with the intent of furthering their quote-unquote illegal presence. Yeah, and I think the government... In their brief, they do talk about like the history of the law being sheltering or harboring somebody as they're as they're entering the U.S. And it's like, yeah, that's what the I'm sure that was what the history was, but they didn't write it very well. <laughs> and there's definitely other statutes that are covering that. So you know, paying for somebody to come in, hiding them. I'm, I'm trying to think of what else. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is with this whole. It just brings up another thing about being undocumented in the country is not a crime. So you can be <laughs> undocumented in the country. Right. Yeah, and, well, yeah. And the crime of entering the country without status is a misdemeanor. And so like, what's really scary about this statute is that it puts a felony penalty <laughs> on supposedly like encouraging somebody to do a civil, civil just meaning like it's, it doesn't really fit 
at all. And then like it just keeps worrying people about, well, if like this woman was helping people years, not even helping, this woman <laughs> was defrauding people years after they came in. At what point does encouraging mm-hmm. and inducing, at what point are you facilitating somebody being here in the US? Like, if you're like, selling them bread, you know, it's like, yeah. And I don't think that's what Congress intended either. So even though it says inducing or encouraging people to remain in the U.S. Yeah, I think that's why this is so overbroad because being here in the U.S. isn't isn't a crime. So are we just saying any what what is where do you stop that? That's too vague. That's too overbroad. That's not constitutional. Where does that stop? Who does that apply to? Is I think it's wild and to just trust the government saying like oh yeah we're only gonna we're only gonna apply it to people who are oh they also said they also try to make a distinction oh you're not reading the part about financial gain it would only apply to people with financial gain at stake like that's still could be a lot of people it could be immigration attorneys right yeah exactly yeah like like you're pointing out like it's like oh wait you would actually literally apply that to attorneys yeah and yeah it's not a crime to be here without status and a lot of people actually have better relief if you're here versus outside of the country yeah better chance to when I say a better chance when you're here in the country I mean like a better chance to get legal status yeah because cancellation is easier to get than asylum is that a yeah and even like asylum you still have to be here at the U.S. to get asylum so asylum in general yeah cancellation a lot of the forms of relief you you don't have to be here (laughs) that's a whole that's a lie that's a lie don't get me started with with (laughs) the government right now Uh, okay. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> the gov- as the court recognized, the government's assurance that it will apply a broadly worded statute far more frequently than its language provides is pertinent only as an implicit acknowledgement of the potential constitutional problems with a more natural reading. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a very legal, nice way of saying what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, I I pulled up the are they the Asian American Law Caucus? Oh, advancing Asian Americans advancing yeah. justice. Justice. And the Asian I, Law Caucus I, is part of that. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's good to know. That's where you used to work. Yeah, when oh, I yeah. first got out of law school, when I was a baby attorney. Is that where you're still fellowship? fighting immigration enforcement? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they say that the dangers posed to protected speech and legitimate work are real and present, not just to advocates and service organizations, but to the communities they serve. The routine work and activities referenced here come from organizations willing to identify themselves based on the understanding of their service and advocacy are protected. Who are the plaintiffs in this case? Oh, wait, no. I guess- it's no, there is no plaintiff. It's her as the defendant and the government appeal. Yeah, she's a so yeah, technically it's like the governor the the governor. The government is the petitioner and then Evelyn Sinenig is the Sinenig Smith is the uh, respondent and then the Amiki are the ones that you're talking about for the immigration words. Also I think we do need to clarify that illegal entry is a criminal misdemeanor. It's not a civil violation. Like, what do you or what do you mean by that? Say, thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is true. It is a misdemeanor. I mean to say, sorry. Let's make my correction. I mean to say, violating civil immigration laws, but yeah, yeah. but 
yeah, they can charge you criminally with a misdemeanor. So thank you for that correction. I appreciate it. Yeah. And then illegal re-entry can be charged with a felony. It can be charged with a felony, yes. Illegal re-entry. Re-entry, yeah. Okay. I mean, I think, it's, I, I think it's very wild that, like you said, entering without authorization is supposed to be a civil violation because that's the whole legal fiction of the deportation regime is that it's not punishment. Mm-hmm. And so that means that migrants can't be afforded the additional protections that criminal defendants are afforded. If that is true, you can't also literally criminalize the conduct that you say is a civil violation and criminally charge people. Yeah. You they're having their cake and eating it too. And yeah. Yeah. So frustrating. I- I guess I mean remaining in the U.S. is a civil immigration violation. So it's not a criminal thing. So it's, yeah, exactly what you're saying. It's weird to, to, to do all this at all. Yeah. Just for speech. It's very weird that they're going to put a felony penalty on the speech. I'm shaking my head right now. <laughs> not the government. Wow. Yeah, also, going, just explaining further how it's overbroad, this amici, this uh-huh. amici. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the line between lawful and unlawful status is not always clear true, yeah. right yeah it's very true immigration <laughs> law is very complicated you never know who might have a derivative citizenship claim yeah <laughs> subsection 4 criminalizes encouraging unlawful residents and residents that is or will be in violation of the law so that's really hard to predict because a person could have a tourist visa currently and you have no idea if they're going to overstay. Mm-hmm. Any, any person, any visa holder could have a visa presently and you or I would have no way of knowing what decisions they're going to make about whether or not to stay or go. Mm-hmm. And so what happens if you provide them advice about the visa, like let's say about reapplying for the visa or something like that. And then you also say, I really hope you can stay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, and we're laughing, but... It's literally it's, everything, yeah. It's actually quite serious that that could happen. No, it's literally everything. And I think what you pointed out from the very beginning is, is super important. The government's kind of saying, like, oh, yeah, we've never criminalized that, so we're not going to. Um, but that's not the way... The Supreme Court can strike down laws just because they're written in a way where like, all these scenarios that we're coming up with can happen. And so, like, that's the important point to point out, that they can happen. And like, we're afraid because we're actually really in danger of that sort of thing happening. And, like, Yvette, you're right. Like, it's probably not going to happen to the person that is baking bread in the morning and, like, an undocumented person buys it. But, like, it will happen to, like, you who has, like, a radio program. It Indeed. will happen to, like... You should not buy wood. <laughs> nope, I'm saying, like, it will happen to me oh, who's, like, a vocal, like, outspoken. Yeah. They, they always pick... They always pick governments that are oppressing people pick outspoken people to go after so that's why like actual like real like advocates are really worried about it because they're like funny how you're focusing on this law (laughs) that is the only one about speech and we don't trust you right now so (laughs) not that you should ever trust your government but like (laughs) yeah so I think this is kind of a tangent I don't know if I can point this out or not can I try and see what you think everything yeah okay so this kind of tracks on it's not exactly the same thing but it, it tracks on to a ground of inadmissibility. So this is something that immigrants, if you've done this in your life, you can't get a green card. And so there is a ground of inadmissibility that's called alien smuggling is the way they call it. So I'm going to keep, I'm going to start saying non-citizen smuggling from now on, but that's how it's called in the statute. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, 
if you've encouraged or induced, like aided and abetted anyone to come into the United States illegally and like blah, blah, blah. So it tracks the same language. And so I think another thing I'm just worried about is a lot of the defenses that we've had to that are, oh, someone they didn't know. It's kind of what you're saying. Like immigration status is like a fluid thing that can change. And so like one of your defenses is like, I didn't know that they didn't have status or, but you can get right now you can get charged. You can get charged with inadmissibility for having sent your family money to travel to the border. Yeah. Wild things like that. So like the conduct is really minimal that will count for that part for encouraging and aiding. And I think another thing I'm just afraid of is even though this isn't the same statute, it's not exactly the same thing, that if this gets the okay <laughs> from the Supreme Court, that it could also affect immigrants, that the government is really trying to expand what they argue counts as an admissible context. So I could also see it, conduct, so I could also see it expanding this ground against immigrants applying for green cards too. Yeah. So just like they kind of use the same language in different parts of the immigration law, and I'm just afraid of it. If the if they get a green light here, I think, I think there's danger that it could be expanded in other areas. Yeah, I definitely... I definitely share that concern. <laughs> and because uh, especially, I mean, we have seen with this administration that they're very creative about interpreting regulations and laws to make it so that there's just more reasons to criminalize people or more reasons to deny people. And one of those was his, like going after sponsors and placing them into deportation proceedings yeah. when previously kind of as a practice if somebody was detained and wanted to be released into the U.S. and had a sponsor if that person was undocumented themselves or in proceedings themselves usually having them listed as a sponsor wouldn't trigger immigration enforcement yeah and under under the Trump administration we have seen that happen yeah so I so I so and, and like the sponsor example is really relevant because if you if you are an undocumented person, you're in proceedings yourself and you offer to be someone's sponsor. I mean, I, I think that that's under how broadly the government wants the statute to be read. That could for sure be. I could um, tie it in right now. Yeah. We, yeah. we took a, one of them is the Mississippi raid cases. So when after the women brought up that they were being sexually harassed by these employees at this company, at oh these my managers. God, was that the source of the raid? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they totally, they went after the raid after they had filed, like, federal claims of sexual discrimination. Oh. So the year after that gets filed and they win. So the government comes in and raids them. But we took some of the Mississippi cases. They're in detention Louisiana. Like, can't even get into all the due process violations. But, like, let's just say they don't even have a hearing for three months. So, like, mm-hmm. they didn't even have charges for about a month and a half. So normally you can't detain somebody yeah, for more than 48 hours don't... without charges. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> so it's it's crazy. But at one of the bond hearings, one of the people didn't get bond. And they were, or sorry, I think he ended up getting bond. But usually this judge who's actually sitting in New York, so she's on a video, she's not even in person deciding these people's fate in Louisiana. But she was saying one of her arguments against giving this guy bond, who has like had no criminal history, was he was like arguing like, you know, he's a sponsor to UAC, he shouldn't be detained, like he needs to help the UAC. And she brought up, the judge brought up out of her own mouth, she says, well, the fact that he smuggled in his like nephew, I'm just making this up. I don't know if it's his nephew, but like the fact that she smuggled in a minor, that he smuggled in a minor isn't a reason why we should and he didn't smuggle in a minor I want to just make that clear but like she's already thinking exactly the way that you're saying so it's not far-fetched to think that there are government officials that are thinking that way about sponsors that an immigration judge actually said that so <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, this isn't a conspiracy theory. We're just talking about real life right now. Yeah, it's real life. Yeah. <laughs> hey, they brought my rice materials too. Hey, look at my look at my instinctual analysis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, also I'll quickly bring up that Jefferson Sessions tried to eliminate the the, LO, the legal orientation program, which is uh, attorneys yeah. going into detention centers kind of one of the only resources that, pe- that people detained have to orient themselves to what's occurring. And he mm-hmm. tried to rescind that and tried to say, because what happens in one of your hearings when you're detained, it's called the your like rights hearing and the judge reads you your rights. And that he was like, Sessions was trying to say that that was sufficient to, to meet the due process requirements. Mm-hmm. For for a migrant's immigration proceeding, which is wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. <laughs> In this brief, they talk about raices and how they have a shelter. Mm-hmm. Basically, any. Any, any nonprofit that's running a shelter could also be prostituted into this. Yeah. This is wild. No, it is wild. I think, yeah. I think it's pretty bad that, because status quo, this law was on the books, right? And I think it's yeah, just bad that yeah. they, they are taking the extra step to appeal it to the Supreme Court. There wasn't a circuit split or anything, and the Supreme Court took it up. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. No dispute. Yeah. Why are you weighing in? <laughs> mm. <laughs> Yeah, so so we'll see. It's kind of interesting because I think I think another interesting thing is like even usually even the conservative justices are pretty like protective of the First Amendment. So I think just like strategy wise, they've really taken a First Amendment angle at attacking this law. But they're also very deferential to the Trump administration on immigration. So I think that's where we're like concerned about where this is going to go. It is the First Amendment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're like, come on, the First Amendment. You like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> the first step must be really important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think um, it's going to well, be interesting if they just try to keep the status quo. Like, how are they going to do that while squaring it away with all the issues that we've brought up in the First Amendment aspects? Yeah, Hopefully, so, we don't get prosecuted. <laughs> that really is why I should leave, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, take me with you if this law goes. Ooh, or like if this law starts being processed. Yeah, I might have to drive to Mexico that day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the you the government filed their reply brief five days ago. And so the next the next step would be, oh, it's set for argument Tuesday, yeah. February 25th. Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> I thought that's why you did it. I thought that's why you did it. I, I was literally like, I need to film with you because it's, or not film. When are we recording? We need to record because it's happening. <laughs> okay, well, this is great. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> You're tapped in. <laughs> Yes, actually, I really believe that. Yes, that's what my horoscope has been saying, and I, I really feel like it, it's true. <laughs> I think Mercury, it's <laughs> not bad for me. 
surprisingly. One more time? Oh, just that Mercury retrograde has not been bad for me this this time around. Uh, that's okay. Yeah, I like that. I like good to know. <laughs> okay, cool. So, um, yeah, I think I'm just going to stop recording. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And I will try and do an update post or argument. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Um, and lots of love and light to you in these trying times. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>